From Happy Cat Studios in Indianapolis, Indiana, it's time for the Rick's Rambles podcast for the week of September 12, 2022. Sit back, relax, and let's get into our fun facts for the week. Fun facts. A gooey piece of cheese melted atop a perfectly cooked slab of ground beef. Sandwiched between two slightly toasted buns, what the heck is not to love about a cheeseburger, right? Well, that's what today's fun facts are all about. Cheeseburgers. Number one, the cheeseburger was invented by Lionel Sternberger. That's right, his last name actually ends in burger. Just outside the city of Los Angeles in Pasadena, California, lies the birthplace of the cheeseburger. The earliest recorded instance of a cheeseburger being served to a customer was in 1920 at the Right Spot Cafe in Pasadena, California, says Paul Little, president and CEO of the Pasadena Chamber of Commerce. Legend has it that young Lionel was working at his father's roadside stand when he burned a burger. Well, instead of throwing the meat away, he simply slapped some cheese on top of it and an American icon was made. The other story is a hobo came in and said he wanted as much food as he could get for 15 cents, and again, he simply slapped a piece of cheese on top of a burger. Whichever story is accurate, I'm incredibly grateful that it happened. Number two, the world's biggest cheeseburger weighed 1,800 pounds. Can you imagine? In 2017, Mally's Sports Grill and Bar cooked a big burger that weighed 1,800 pounds, giving it the title of the world's biggest cheeseburger. Owner Steve Malley shares the story of how this cheeseburger came to be. I opened my restaurant back in 2005. When we opened, we wanted to do something a little over the top, a little different. We opened with a 10-pound hamburger. They were so popular, we were selling them every single day of the week, he says. But he noticed that the world's largest cheeseburger, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, was in Japan, which didn't quite sit right with him, given that the burger is an American icon. So he and his team created a 236-pound burger in 2006 and broke the world record at that time. Well, they kept making record-winning burgers bigger and bigger every year until they eventually had to create a convection oven out of a full-size shipping container to accommodate their world-record-setting 1,800-pound burger. That's an incredible burger. Well, we've talked about the world's largest cheeseburger. The world's tiniest cheeseburger is made in Japan. Okay, this fact doesn't exactly come with a stamp of approval from the Guinness Book of World Records, but it's totally edible. The Japanese YouTube channel Miniature Space, which is fascinating, you should check it out, has made everything from teeny weedy potato chips to minuscule ramen. More relevant for us, the postage stamp size cheeseburger. I'm not sure who would order that, but it's fascinating nonetheless. What's the most popular cheese on a cheeseburger? Well, not surprisingly, it's American cheese. Where and when the cheese goes on is crucial. The default position for most cheese is squarely on top of the burger patty. At least this was a widely held position until people on the internet lost their minds in 2017 when Google's cheeseburger emoji featured cheese being placed below the patty, spurring a brief but intense internet debate as to to the cheese's rightful place in the burger hierarchy. I love that sentence for some reason. For his part, Mally thinks there's no debate. I've only done it on top of the patty. I don't know where below the patty would even come in. When you're melting cheese on the burger, you want to melt it on top of the burger. And who's responsible for the renaissance of cheeseburgers in the United States? Do you have a guess? Well, it's none other than Jimmy Buffett. When he released his song, Cheeseburger in Paradise, sales of cheeseburgers went up 300%. There you have it, a few fun facts about cheeseburgers. 
And this week's good news story is just something kind of lighthearted and fun. It's called The Lost Ring. A man has been reunited with a ring he lost while picking fruit over 50 years ago. It was gifted to him by his late mother for his 21st birthday, but slipped off of his finger as he was picking strawberries in 1968. Retired train engineer Dave Radley spent several long, distraught hours trying to locate the ring among the rows of bushes. He was picking strawberries in the field behind a friend's father's house to sell that morning when he suddenly realized the ring was no longer on his finger. He had received the nine-carat gold ring as a present just weeks before, but the fit wasn't quite right. In a stroke of luck, last month a metal detectorist I didn't realize that was a word, detectorist, but it is. Last month, a metal detectorist who received a tip from the landowner about the lost ring made the discovery. 54 years after the ring ran off, Dave got a call from his friend's brother, Peter, who still owns the land. A metal detectorist working for Peter asked if he could detect in the very same field where the ring had been lost, to which Peter agreed and informed him about the missing ring. It was found about seven inches deep in the ground with only one slight scratch, which was easily buffed out and Dave went to collect it last week. The ring might not have changed much, but his owner has, so it's a fairly tight fit, Radley said. I've had to have it enlarged slightly so I can just about get it on, but none of that matters because I'm so grateful just to have it back. My family wasn't too well off in those days, and I spent hours searching for it between the rows where we had been. My mother wasn't upset with me. She was more upset about how distraught I was about losing the ring. When I got the call from Peter, I couldn't quite believe it. The joy I felt in that moment is indescribable. A local jeweler said the ring is worth about $700, which demonstrated just how much his mother has sacrificed to give him that ring. Just a fun one for our good news story this week. TV spinoffs are one of my favorite topics. Sometimes spinoffs just bomb right out of the gate, but sometimes they struck gold. I put together a list this week of my favorite spinoffs, and let's see if you agree. Number one, well, it's no secret, it's The Andy Griffith Show. A spinoff of The Danny Thomas Show in 1960, Andy Griffith appeared on The Danny Thomas Show as Sheriff Andy Taylor, and that series was born. Not only probably the most successful spinoff of all time, but one of the most successful TV series of of all time. Number two, Green Acres. Was that a spinoff? Absolutely. It was in Hooterville, started in Hooterville with Petticoat Junction. Number three, well, All in the Family was an iconic show. It was a groundbreaking, it shifted the paradigm of American television and spun off a ton of shows. Number three on my list is The Jeffersons. It was actually a highly controversial show in its time. Another spinoff from All in the Family comes in at number four for me, Maud. Another controversial controversial show because of the strong female lead. Number five, did you realize Happy Days is a spinoff? It absolutely is. Happy Days started its life as a failed pilot that was discarded. Somebody found it and made it an episode of Love American Style, and the audiences loved it, and it became a series on its own, Happy Days. Happy Days was such an iconic part of American culture, it spawned seven spinoff series, including Laverne and Shirley, another of my favorites. Up next on my list, you may not think of this as a spinoff again, but it is The Simpsons, an iconic animated series, I believe the longest animated series in American history started in 1989, still going strong. It was a spinoff of the Tracy Ullman show, by the way, which I believe is one of the most underrated shows in all of TV history. And last on my list, Frasier. 
spinoff, of course, from Cheers, that iconic show set in the bar in Boston. Frasier ran for 11 seasons, and I believe that makes it the longest-running spinoff in TV history. TV spinoffs, what are some of your favorites? I so appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to my podcast. It's just something I feel like I can do to make the world a little more kind, a little more gentle, a little more positive place. This year, for the third year in a row, I'm taking part in the Great Cycle Challenge, which is a bicycling challenge where many of us across the United States raise funds for children's cancer research and family services. Each month, 45 children die of cancer in the United States. It is the leading cause of disease death in the United States. And we raise funds for the research for that and also for family services. That's those things you may not think about when you have a family member suffering from a devastating illness. That could be lodging, could be travel, could be meals, could be any number of things. I set my fundraising goal this year at $500. And thanks to the generosity of my friends, I've already blown through that and I plan on keeping on going. If you would like to donate to the Great Cycle Challenge and my personal ride, there will be a link in the show description and you can do that. Thank you so much for listening and if you have a moment, I would really appreciate you sharing this podcast on your own social media. And it's time for our special days for this week. Monday the 12th, National Chocolate Milkshake Day. It's National Day of Encouragement. And it's National Video Games Day. Tuesday the 13th, it's Fortune Cookie Day. It's International Chocolate Day. And it's National Peanut Day. Wednesday the 14th, Eat a Hoagie Day. It's National Coloring Day. National Gobstopper Day. Who remembers Gobstoppers? And it's National Live Creatively Day. Thursday the 15th is Google Day, celebrating the birthday of Google. Google. It's National Cheeseburger Day. Now you know where we got our fun facts from. And it's National Felt Hat Day. Friday the 16th is National Cinnamon Raisin Bread Day. National Collect Rock Day. Who collected rocks as a kid? And it's World Play-Doh Day. Saturday the 17th is Batman Day. International Red Panda Day. And it's National Monte Cristo Day. And we'll wrap up the week on Sunday the 18th, which is World Bamboo Day. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Rick's Rambles podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please take a moment, share it on your social media, let folks know what you're listening to. And until next week, be kind to as many people as you can. As often as you can, we'll start right now and we'll make the world a better place.